Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? Welcome to WGN Radio Theater. Special three-hour presentation. And your hosts, Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, about eight minutes after 11 p.m. here. On the WGN Radio Theater, I'm your host, Carl Amari, and to my right is the vivacious one herself, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. What's up? It's a big Saturday night. I know. Look who's in the studio. Uh, we have uh, Ashley, glass Ashley Byhan is producing. So excited wow. to have you with us tonight. Hello. hello. What's Yay. up, Ashley? How's it going? It's Miss you guys. great. It's great. We missed you, too. It's been a long time. It's been so long. I know. So long. I actually made so this happen. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and uh, this is program 437 in the series, if you're keeping track. It's November 9th, and we're going to celebrate Veterans Day a little early. And uh, we have three sort of Veterans Day-themed programs. Start things off in just a few minutes with Command Performance. That was the show, Lisa, that was created for our fighting troops. And uh, we were going to do this show until it's over over there. That's what their theme was, and we have a command performance for you from 1942. Then, The Great Gildersleeve, the same year, 1942. That is replacing the Alan Young Show. We had some sound issues in the Alan Young Show, so Gildersleeve, good uh, veteran-themed show there. And then Cavalcade of America from 1943. So good lineup, but right now it's time to play our game, Cat's Pride. Guess that song. And that's what we are going to do. The songs for tonight will be all from 1964, so we're going to go back a little bit in time, and we will give away a $25 $25 gift card for Lou Melnati. So oh, wow. great pizza on us. We are going to be looking for caller number five. You can call right now, 312-981-7200, and we'll be right back. Guess that song. Let's guess that song with Tom. We've got him on the phone. Hey, Tom, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Terrific. Great, great. We're going to have a little fun. Carl's going to play along, too. Hey, Carl. Hey, hi, Tom. All right, we're going to start right in with song number one. Here it is right now. Oh, yeah, I know this one. Tom knows it. Hang on. I bet you Tom knows it. All right, Tom, what do you think? The House of... uh, Yeah. uh, The House of... Yeah. uh, <laughs> you you are that's right. The, the house, house of, of the, the rising sun. That is it. The Let's, house of the rising that is, sun. That's the one. Let's that's hear it. it. So this song actually ran four and a half minutes. And in the United States, we uh, shortened it to two minutes, 58 seconds. And the song was recorded in just one take. It's a great, great song. 1964. Isn't that crazy? It's awesome. All right. We're going to go. One of my favorites. I know. Well, I choose well, don't I? Yeah. All right. You did a great job, Tom. Let's see if (laughs) once I picked a good song. Tom, we're going in a whole different genre for the second song. We're going to hear number two now. There you go. Tom, do you know that one? That's oh that, that's yeah, right. My guy, it. that's it. Let's hear it. You are right. Mary Wells, by the way. Mary Wells' fellow Motown star Smokey Robinson wrote and produced this song. No, she sang that very Wells. 
<laughs> you are a winner, Tom. You did a fantastic job, and you are a big winner. You've won a Lou Malnati's gift certificate for $25. Lou Malnati's well, is awesome. home. Yeah, I think so, too. Lou Malnati's is home of Chicago's best deep dish pizza, our favorite here at WGN Radio Theater. You can find one of their 40-plus Chicagoland locations or, of course, order online at LouMelnati's.com. Thank you so much, Tom. Great music tonight. Hey, thank you. Take thank care. You Thanks, Tom. Appreciate thank you. you, buddy. Really do. All right, it's a big winner. And uh, we have a text in line, 312-981-7200. That's how you can reach us. We love hearing from you out there. We'll be here until 2 o'clock in the morning. Text us. We love, love, love getting your text. Right now, we're going to start our Veterans Day weekend because uh, also tomorrow night we have an hour-long Lux Radio Theater with a veterans theme as well. But right now it's time for Command Performance. This was a variety show, and it was created especially to entertain our troops fighting overseas. And uh, they uh, they kept the show on the air until it's over, over there. They said that on every episode. It premiered in March of 1942 and ended in 1946. And it was the biggest uh, show with all kinds of major entertainers on it. And it was produced by the War Department. Now, CBS and NBC donated their studios, and the celebrities donated their time. No one was paid to do this show, and it was specifically to entertain our men and women fighting overseas. And we have a broadcast for you now from May 18, 1942. The MC is George Raft. There's all kinds of other stars in this, including Deanna Durbin and Dinah Shore, Rudy Valley. Oh, you're going to love it. Let's go back now and tune in to part one of Command Performance. Performance USA, the greatest entertainers in America, as requested by you, the fighting men of the United States Armed Forces throughout the world. Command Performance, presented this week and every week till it's over. Over there. Okay, men, here's that show of yours again. Command Performance, presenting the world's biggest combination of stars for the world's best combination of fighting men. Here's the opening letter for tonight from Seaman First Class, WCM, somewhere in Australia. Dear Command Performance, recently you read a letter from a sailor who heard about Betty Grable keeping company with George Raft. The Blue Jacket tried to sell Betty on the fact that he had a nice big battleship, so why should she waste her time with a raft? Well, for what we saw of the way George made love to Ida Lupino in a picture we caught down here, that guy's no raft. He's a destroyer. How's about us letting us hear from him? Well, here he is, buddy. Betty Grable's one-man convoy, George Raft. Thank you, Paul Douglas, and greetings to the men we're pinning our hopes on to pin the enemy's ears back. I don't believe any half-hour program ever broadcast had as many stars on as the one you're about to hear. You've heard some of them over the Red Network, some of them over the Blue Network. But this is the biggest hookup of all, the Red, White, and Blue Network, the worldwide chain that links Uncle Sam's armed forces with the land they're fighting to defend. 
Our show opens with the answer to a request from three corporals, initials J.J., P.W., and J.H.E., on a mine flotilla somewhere in the South Pacific. For them, we are happy to present two young ladies with a sense of humor as sharp as a hatchet and faces to match. Brenda and Cobina. Tonight, Brenda and Cabina, those two glamour goons, have a blind date with two lucky privates from the Southern California sector. Let's run up to their apartment and see what's detaining them. Brenda, what is it, Cobina? <laughs> oh, gee, isn't it exciting getting dressed to go out on a blind date? Yeah, I love blind dates, don't you? Blind or sober, as long as they're men. <laughs> I'm talking about soldiers. Oh, soldiers? You mean a soldier's gonna go out with you? Yeah. Boy, Sherman was right, wasn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, I feel sorry for the soldiers that gotta go out with you. They not only gotta peel potatoes, they gotta go out with one. <laughs> Brenda, how dare you say that? After all, I was once a beauty contest winner. Sure, you won a beauty contest, but who was in it? Not even people. <laughs> oh, you should talk with your face. What's the matter with my face? It looks like an unconfirmed report. <laughs> oh, you think you're so smart ever since you ran over that Jap with his own lawnmower <laughs> Let's not fight, come on, let's finish dressing Oh, how do you like my long winter underwear? It's very pretty, but your escape hatch is open <laughs> Gee, I, I hope the boys get here soon. Otherwise, we'll be out all night and... <sighs> I'll be late for work in the morning. Oh, by the way, how do you like your new job out at Lockheed? <laughs> Fine. You know, I think the foreman likes me. Yeah? How can you tell? Yesterday, when I passed by, he pinched me. <gasps> pinched you? Hard? Sure, he used a pair of pliers. <laughs> oh. <sighs> Come on now, stop talking and get dressed. Oh, dear. Where's my big Spanish comb? Over there, with your manila hair. <laughs> oh, I feel so romantic tonight. I was romantic last night, too. <laughs> you know, I was out with the Marine. You were? Yeah, and I pretended I was a beautiful blonde spy just to see if I could get some military information out of him. Yeah? Did you get any military information out of him? No, I was lucky to get a short beer. <laughs> a date last night, too, with a sailor. And I found out something about the fleet. The sailor told you something about the fleet? Yeah. You know where all our big ships are? No, where? In the water. <laughs> Smarty. Now, look, Brenda, when these soldiers come to call for us, do you think we ought to go out or sit here in the apartment in front of the fire? Oh, it's a lovely fire, isn't it? I'll say. Too bad we haven't got a fireplace. You know, I've got a wonderful idea When the boys get here We'll show them these pictures we took last summer in our bathing suits Sex Ooh. Yeah, that's a good idea Show them this one of me in my bathing suit right here Look, what do you think of it? How many days were you in the water? That's not a very nice thing to say, Cobina Everybody on the beach said I look like Veronica Lake Oh, I know you've been trying to look like Veronica Lake But you got it backwards Backwards? How? Well, you've got one eye combed down over your hair. Oh, well, 
will. We can't all be perfect. Well, you know, the boys ought to be here pretty soon. What time is this? I don't know. The clock stopped. I better wind it. Never mind winding it. Stop looking at it. <laughs> oh, gee, I'm so excited. How do I look? You're all right, but uh, your slip is showing. It is? Yeah, you can still see the sign fragile. Use no hooks. <laughs> oh, gosh, I wish those soldiers would hurry. Oh, yeah, me too. That must be the boys now. I'll, I'll open the door. Oh, oh, it's George Rath. Oh, hello, girls. Uh, a man in uniform gave me this government letter for you. Oh, but maybe it's from those soldiers. I'll see what it says. But, but, but she whiz, Brenda. What is it, Copina? How do you like that? We passed our physical. We're both 1A. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brenda and Cabina. And now... For Staff Sergeant RCM, location censored. For Engineer VPM at Army Post Office 863. For the Jungle Mudders of Panama, Penn State, Yank, and the RAF. And all the boys up at Dutch Harbor, Alaska. Command Performance brings you Deanna Durbin. Thank you, George Raff. And thanks to the boys for asking me. Out at Universal Studios, where I work, there's a man we call casting director. He chooses all the performers and assigns them their respective parts in the pictures. On this program, you men are the casting directors. And I want to thank you for inviting me here tonight for the most thrilling role I've ever played. Now, here is the song that seemed to be the favorite of the boys on my recent tour of the training camps here at home. you cheer up, smile away your fear, when it's least expected, a rainbow appears, this shadow all around us is a temporary thing, and
That's the first portion of Command Performance from May 18, 1942. We'll get back to it in just a few minutes. All right. What would we uh, be doing if it wasn't for our veterans? We would not be free. We would not be uh, happy. We would not be on the radio, Lisa, and, and, uh, and, and many mon- more Monday things. is the day that we can honor yeah. them, and of course, we will be doing it all weekend here on the WGN We definitely want to thank every single veteran out there. Uh, thank you for your service, and uh, we want to uh, thank you by playing some radio shows we hope you'll like, including Command Performance. Let's get back to this 1942 broadcast with MC George Raft. Oh, we have a technical, we have a little technical difficulty, Lisa. It's okay. live radio, you know. I'm pretty sure it's your fault, though, Carl. <laughs> you probably hit something wrong. I probably did. It's not Ashley. It's <laughs> All right, gotta be here you. we go. <laughs> now for Corporal MFL at Fort Randolph, the engineers in the canal zone. Corporal BS at APO A10. Twelve machine gunners somewhere in Australia and some fellows who call themselves the Delancey Street Blarney Stoners in North Island. The singing sensation of 1942. The Southland's own Dinah Shaw. Thank you, Georgie. And hello there, fellas. Oh, it was swell of you to ask for me again, and I want you to know that things are mighty fine back here at home. That light Miss Liberty holds in her hand is still shining brighter than ever, and we still have no use for the rising sun. Next week on the Eddie Cantor Show... I'm going to introduce a song I'm convinced will be a big hit. Here's a special preview of it, just for you. He was a handsome young Irish lad, and she was a Mexican beauty. It was Fiesta, and I might add, romantically he was on duty. A boy and a girl with the stars. I can tell it in 64 bars His Irish heart went bingo When he saw the Rose of Juarez Conchita, Marquita, Lolita, Pepita, Rosita, Juanita, Lopez Oh, you're a lovely thingo For me there's but one girl, he says Conchita, Marquita, Lolita, Pepita, Rosita, Juanita, Lopez. Mandolins began to play, and her lips were there to kiss. 
as they danced, I heard him say, New Jersey was never like this. The bells began to ring, oh, and they rode away on a mule. To prove I'm not joking, if you're in Hoboken, drop in for a minute and you'll meet Conchita, Marquita, Lolita, Pepita, Rosita, Juanita, oh, too. And there's little Teresa, Maria, Elisa, and Patsy and Molly and Mike. And there's Jose and Pancho, and Pedro and Sancho, and Tommy and Timmy and Spike. Of course there are others, their sisters and brothers, they're older and they go to school. Flash! The doctor announces eight pounds, seven ounces. One more for Lopez and O'Toole. Thank you, Dinah Shaw. Next comes a letter from Private J.J.B., a fighting Marine somewhere in the South Pacific. Dear Command Performance, my hometown is Mena, Arkansas, where everybody else knows all about your business. Out here on this island, our business is to knock off Japs. And believe me, business ain't bad. But I've still got time for some of that hometown gossip. So how's about letting us hear from a former Arkansas wholesale grocer and a former Arkansas automobile finance man who put the small town into the big time, the famous homespun team of Lum and Abner. Well, after that letter, there's only one thing to do, and that's to try to make a contact with Pine Ridge. And I suspect that if we're successful, we'll find Lum and Abner in their famous Jot-Em-In-Down store, trying to help Cedric Weehut with one of his problems. Well, here goes for a quick trip to Pine Ridge. A draft board questionnaire. For goodness sake, Cedric, you ought to fill this out a long time ago. Yes, Mom, I know it. Well, why ain't you done it then, Cedric? Well, I've been aiming on doing it ever since I got it, but my old trouble kept coming back. What old trouble? I can't write. Uh, well, I reckon we'll just have to do it firm in Lum. Uh, how did it start out there? Yeah, let's see here. Selective service questionnaire. Huh. Identification. My name is... What, Cedric? Mr. Lum Edwards. No, it says here, my name is blank. <laughs> well, I always thought it was Lum Edwards. Well, <laughs> I did too, Cedric. Well, that is my name. I I'm talking about your name, Cedric. Oh, well, that ain't mine neither. My name's Cedric Weehunt. That's all I wanted to know. Well, you knowed what his name was, Lum. That don't make no difference. This has got to be dead legal. Got to... Be answered uh, by Cedric himself. Oh, oh, go ahead. In addition to the names given above, I have also been known as blank. Mom. Well. Have you ever had any other names besides Cedric? No, Mom. Still got the same name I had ever since I was a baby. <laughs> he means a uh, nickname, Cedric. Oh, yes, Mom. Uh, Mose Moose calls me Goofy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one for you. Put that down, Long. Yeah, G-O-F-Y, Goofy. Yeah. What else? That's all, except Jughead, they call me at school. Well. <laughs> Jughead. Now, uh, address. Whereabouts do you live, Cedric? Over to place. Lives with his paw, Long, for you live. Yeah, lives with Caleb Weehan. That's right. Uh, you can fill in these easy ones in yourself, Cedric. Let's get down to the hardens here. Education. 
Are you a college graduate? Oh, let's see. I don't think I am. <laughs> Leastways, I don't recollect it if I am. I know I went as far as the third grade, though. Well, did you graduate from our Cedric? No, Mama. I just left because I got so big I couldn't get my knees up under them desks no more. <laughs> well, I can't put all that down there. I'll just say no. Yeah. Well, I know. I know they don't give no diplomas for the third reader now. Well, let's see here. Um, height and weight. How tall are you, Cedric? I don't know. Same height as my Paul, though. Well, how tall is he? He's <laughs> just exactly the same as me. <laughs> well, we can't tell by that, Cedric. Oh, wait a minute, I know, uh, can you, can you go by my Uncle Frank? Go by him. Yes, Mom, him and Paul and me is all the same height. Well? Well, we're getting someplace now. How tall is your Uncle Frank? I don't know that neither. For goodness sakes. You better just put down there, Lom, a uh, tall as Uncle Frank's what you better put. Yeah, I reckon I'll have to. <laughs> now, age. How old are you, Cedric? Well, now, that's one thing I don't believe I recollect. Well, what year was you born in, Cedric? We can figure it out from there, I reckon. Oh, let's see, uh, what year? What yeah, year? yeah. Uh, I know it wasn't 1934 because I was going to school then. <laughs> <laughs> well, think hard now, Cedric. Uh, how many birthdays have you had? Oh, uh, I've had five. Oh, uh, you know good and well you've had more than that. When's your birthday? Oh, uh, February the 29th. So, see, I, I don't have a birthday except on leap year. Oh, doggy, that's right, ain't it? Just had five birthdays. Well, according to that thing, you ain't but five-year-old, Cedric. <laughs> oh, no, I, I know I know good and well I'm older than that. I've got a little brother, six-year-old, and I know I'm older than <laughs> No, you're wrong there, Cedric. You ain't had but five birthdays. Why, you couldn't be older than your brother. How many has he had? I don't know. Six, I think. Yeah. Well, he's six, then, and you're five. Well, he ain't but that high, though. Yeah. Well, I'll admit you are a little big for a young and just five-year-old, but that's all you could be, Cedric. Well, here, then, ain't no use to fill out this form. You're too young to go in the Army, Cedric. Why, sure, yeah. Had no business registering for the draft in the first place. It, did you tell him that you was over five-year-old when you registered, Cedric? Yes, Mom, I think so. Oh, my goodness alive. That's a giver man you're fooling with there. Why, they're liable to get you for trying to get in the Army under false pretense. Well, I don't believe they'd send no five-year-old young into the penitentiary. No. Well, I know good and well I'm more than any five-year-old, though. I, I won't be just five. I, I, I won't stand for it. Well, you oughtn't have got born on the 29th of February. That's where you made your mistake. <laughs> Here I was aiming on getting married to Clarabelle Seastrunk. For the land's sakes. Why, you're too young to be thinking about such things as that, Cedric. I just have a five-year-old young and want to start housekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't you ashamed of yourself? Now, look at you. Standing there blubbering around about how old you are. Your big brother don't cry because he's just six, does he? He ain't my big brother, no such a thing. He is, Donnie. He has to sit in a high chair. Well, you ought to be in one. Don't tease him, Abner. Well, I'm going over and ask Paul if I'm just fine. Go on, ask him. See if I care. Be careful crossing the street now, Cedric. <laughs> Granny's, I feel sorry yeah. for him, Abner. Poor little feller. He wanted to get in the army so bad. Yeah, bless his heart. Bless his little heart. Well, here, Abner. We can't let a young and his age be running around on the streets by himself. Hey, wait a minute, Cedric. Me and Admiral will take you home. 
Thank you, Lubbin Adler. And now, four sons of old Eli, stationed at a secret airdrome of the United States Ferry Command somewhere deep in a jungle far away India. May we proudly present a seaman who served in our regular Navy in 1917, our own Rudy Valley. Thank you, George Raft. High hold of the fighting men in Uncle Sam's armed forces everywhere. For the Yale boys in India, the sportsmen and I sing the Yale Whiffenpoof song. To the tables down at Maury's, to the place where Louis dwells, to the dear old temple bar we love so well. Sing the whiffin' poofs assembled With their glasses raised on high And the magic of their singing casts its spell Yes, the magic of their singing Of the songs we love so well Shall I wasting and mavornim and the rest We will serenade our Louis For life and boys shall last Then we'll pass and be forgotten With the Black sheep who have gone astray. Gentlemen, songsters off on a spree, damned from here to eternity. God have mercy on such as we. Songsters off on a spree Damned from here to eternity God have mercy on such as we said when they bombed the alarm clock factory in Tokyo. My, how time flies. But set your alarm for the same time next week, and command performance will sound off again on schedule. In the meantime, you guys in the bombers, hit them high. 
You guys in the subs, hit them low. And you guys in the khaki and navy blue, hit them hard and hit them again. Whenever, wherever you find them, just keep remembering that this war was started by a crank with a chip on his shoulder. And it's going to be finished by a yank with a gun on his shoulder. So long. Remember, men, this is your show, Lock, Stock, and Barrel. Keep sending those requests to command performance and care of your favorite station. And keep sending good news of that job you're doing in care of your favorite nation. That's Command Performance. We're broadcasting that in honor of Veterans Day coming your way. That's from May 18th, 1942. George Raft as the MC there. You heard Lum and Abner on that program, Dinah Shore, Rudy Valley, the Sportsman, Joe Forte, Deanna Durbin, a whole cast of celebrities that donated their time uh, for our fighting troops until it's over. Over there on Command Performance. Hope you enjoy that. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. All right. This is the WGN Radio Theater. We're here every Saturday and Sunday beginning at 11 p.m. And uh, during that time from 11 till 2 on Saturday and then till 1 on Sunday, 5 hours, we play five classic radio shows. Unless, Lisa, unless it's an hour-long show like tomorrow. We have an hour-long Lux Radio Theater, and then we're only playing one show, but it is an hour. Did she say something? <laughs> I didn't catch all that. She doesn't listen. She doesn't listen. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but we're here every Saturday and Sunday, 11 p.m. We play all your favorite classic radio shows, like The Shadow and The Lone Ranger and Jack Benny and Burns and Allen. And if you want to collect these great classic radio shows... Uninterrupted, unedited, full commercials in there and everything. But I love to be interrupted by you. You should join <laughs> the Classic Radio Club. Lisa's a member. Of course I'm a member. You got your November links, right? I sure did. What's on them? Well, I remember we had the Aldrich family. Yeah. I had um, Dragnet was on there. Dragnet. Uh, great Gildersleeve. There was a great episode of Gildy on there. Jack Benny was on was there. Was it great, the great Gildersleeve? Well, blah, blah. Um, we had Milton Berle because you know how I love the comedies. Uh, there was a Shadow episode and a Suspense episode. Wow. So... Um, that's the ones I remember, but it gives you a great idea of the variety that's there. And, of course, the shows are handpicked by you, so they are the best of the best. Right, and I write liner notes, very copious liner notes for each one. So learn all about the Classic Radio Club. Go to ClassicRadioClub.com. And you know what, Lisa? What, Carl? We just today launched a new website. And for Not for the club, a completely different website. Folks, check this website out. It's 100radioshows.com. It's the number 100, and then radioshows.com. Check it out. We'll talk a little bit more about it later. But it's a brand-new website, and we'd love you to check it out, 100radioshows.com. In the next hour, it's The Great Gildersleeve, a veterans program, so you won't want to miss that. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right, all right, Lisa. I'll tell you all about it. All right, all right. You skipped one. Ready? I'll tell you all. You forgot the third one. All right, all right, all right. Okay. (laughs) Nick Tegilia would would, would kill you for that. 100radioshows.com. The number 100radioshows.com. It's a new site. We just launched it today. 
This site just launched today. It has seven collections. Each collection has 100 radio shows in it. One is a greatest shows. One is a Christmas, all Christmas shows, 100 Christmas shows. What a great gift. These are 50 hours in each one of these. Okay. Full dra- All drama and all mystery and all detective and in all something else. Comedy. We- uh, comedy. Comedy. And in all westerns. So there's one of each one of these, and they're 100 radio shows, all via digital download. There's no CDs on these. This is digital download. But you ready for this? They're only 30 cents a show, twenty nine ninety nine for each one. So check it out. There's You can get 700 digitally remastered. I mean, the greatest sound quality from the collection. All on uh, a full, you know, when you when you buy it, you get the links, all 100 links sent right to your computer. You can use them anywhere, any, list, any listening device. And this is completely separate from the Classic completely Radio Club. Completely separate from the Classic Radio Club. Just it's just another uh, website. Different yeah. idea. Yep. Different idea. So check it out for, uh, you, you know, the Christmas one's great. I mean, oh, they're yeah. all great, yeah, but the Christmas timely. one yep. is fantastic. And you know what? When you go there and you click on any one of the seven, it has every episode, tells you every Every episode, the date, the star, everything. Before you even order it, you'll know exactly what you're buying. So just go to the number 100 radioshows.com. Check it out. Brand new website just launched today. Okay. Are you uh, ready to play our game? I am. That's. Uh, are you ready to play the game? I am ready All to right. play the game. All right. Guess that song. We're in 1964. We will be giving away a uh, pair of tickets to see Marjorie Prime, which is playing right now at the Skokie Theater. All so right. that's going to be really what cool. What caller would you like? We're going to go with caller number three. So you can call right now, 312-981-7200. We'll be right back. Guess that song. All right, we're going to guess that song. It's from 1964. We have Mac on the phone play the game. Hey, Mac. How you doing? How's it going? I'm so good. How are you doing? Oh, great. No complaints. Terrific. Carl? Yeah. You good, too? Yes. All right, this is going to be a lot of fun. I've got some great songs. Carl, we'll see if you agree. We're going to start with song number one. Let's hear it right now. That's all you get. What do you think, Mac? I know it's uh, the Rolling Stones, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -mm. I might be way off. No. You're a little off, but uh, see if you can uh, help him out a little bit, Carl. Do you know that one? You really got me going. You really got me. That's right. You got me. That's the name of the song. Mm -hmm. It's by the Kinks. Let's hear it. Girl, you really got me now. (laughs) Girl, you really got me going. You got me so I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, you really got me. Man, Lisa, you're picking some good songs tonight. Oh, good. I'm glad that you approve of my choices. You are doing great, except for my guy. My guy's great. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh, Carl. the other ones were fantastic. Okay, so the first line was originally you, you really got me going, but Ray Davis changed it to... You really got me going. Can I finish this? But they changed it to girl, you really got me going at the suggestion of one of their advisors, so they appealed to teenagers in the audience. All right. Oh, good one. All right, I think you're going to really know the second song. I hope so. You will. Let's hear it. All right, All that's right, it. All right, that's it. What do you is think? Is that I want to hold your hand? Yes, Better it be- is. You got it. Let's hear it. Didn't even need you as a lifeline there, Carl. What am I, a mirage oh, over yeah. here? 
Yeah. You didn't even need me. That's right. Matt so, didn't need me. So this was the first Beatles song to catch on in America. Really? Yeah. Here it is. I, I want to hold, hold your hand. hand. Oh, boy. Really I want to hold you. Uh, thank you so much. You are a big winner, Way Matt. to go, man. You have won two tickets to Marjorie Prime. It's now playing at the Skokie Theater through November 24th. And, um, you know, it's set 40 years in the future in a world of advanced artificial intelligence. Really great theater. Really interesting show. For tickets, you can call 847-677-7761 or visit skokietheater.org. You just won two tickets. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you very much much. I really like it. Oh, thank Thanks, you, Matt. Matt. Thanks Appreciate for calling it. in. Ah, you know, maybe you could just take your spaceship and go there. I it's in the future, Lisa. Y- you know? Yeah? To go see that show. It's go all take, in the future. Yeah, so. 40 years. We might have take, spaceships, but I'm guessing not. No, huh? <laughs> we'll see, though. <laughs> Hopefully we'll know. All right, sounds good. So yeah. Max going. He's a big winner. All right, 312-981-7200. That's our text in line. We love getting your texts. Uh, Texas will be here till 2 o'clock in the morning. All right, Lisa, you ready for one of my favorite comedy shows of all time? The so Great just Gilders to be Leaf. clear, we are not playing the Alan no. Young show. We had some sound quality sound issues. Quality. But we've got Great Gildersleeve for you, so you're going to love this. Great Gildersleeve, great comedy series. Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve was a character on Fibber McGee and Molly, and it became so popular that Kraft Foods and NBC spun it out, spun it right out of Fibber McGee and Molly onto its own series, and it was radio or any medium's first spinoff show. Wow. Great Gildersleeve. Yeah, and uh, the first episode was August of 1941, and Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve moved from Wistful Vista, you know, right. where Fibber McGee and Molly lived, and moved to Summerfield, and he became the town water commissioner and the town's most eligible bachelor. He dated a lot of women in, in Summerfield. And then he was raising his orphaned niece, Marjorie, and his nephew, Leroy, and then they had a cook named Bertie, and a really great, hilarious show. And uh, Hal Perry starred as Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve until... About 1950, and then Willard Waterman took it over and then carried it all the way through the television days when it made its transition. But we have an early episode. This is only like maybe six months into the series, and uh, Hal Perry stars. And on this show, Marjorie uh, is going to write to soldiers, and Gildersleeve helps. So they're writing to our soldiers, thanking them, and all kinds of great stuff. Kind of a Veterans Day show. Here's part one now of The Great Gildersleeve. Kraft presents The Great Gildersleeve. Company, who also bring you Bing Crosby every Thursday night, present each week at this time Harold Perry as the Great Gildersleeve, written by Leonard L. Levinson. On one of the nicest streets in the bustling city of Summerfield lives Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, a typical American uncle. Stout, jolly, faced with all the problems that the average uncle is faced with. He tries to guide his niece Marjorie and his nephew Leroy always with the very best intentions and sometimes with the very worst results. And now, The Great Gildersleeve. Well, thanks for the lift home, Judge Hooker. You're welcome. 
Say, Gildersleeve, I hate to bring this up, but isn't it about time we used your car? All right, I'll drive my car down tomorrow. You know I don't go downtown tomorrow. Sure, that's why I'm going to drive my car down. (laughs) (laughs) Then it'll be your turn again to pick me up the day after, won't it? Yes. Hey, wait a minute. I'm getting gypped somewhere. See here, Hooker. If you're going to talk like that, I won't give you that spare inner tube. Oh, excuse me, Gildy, old pal. Uh, Just forget it. I'll be here for you. Goodbye. The old goat. That reminds me, I better get that tube out of the safety deposit vault. (laughs) Oh, hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. You remember me, don't you? I'm Dottie from next door, and I just saw you driving up from behind our front curtains. I mean, I was behind them, not you, so I ran out to ask you a favor, and I'm sure you won't mind saying yes, because after all, there's nothing I want you to do, so you'll do it, won't you? What? You want me to say yes to something you don't want me to do? Well, yes, that's exactly correct. You hit the nail right on the thumb. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it, it's something I want to ask your niece Marjorie to do, and hasn't she got the loveliest red hair? See what kind of a rinse did she use to get at that shade, Mr. Gildersleeve? <laughs> Young lady, Marjorie's hair is that way naturally. Well, naturally, that's what you would say. Well, the thing I wanted you to ask your niece to do for me is to take this list of soldier boys I promised the USO I'd write letters to and ask her if she'd mind writing instead on account of I hurt my hand and can't. Uh, what did you do? Put it in your mouth while you were talking? Oh, no. I folded it into a folding bed, and it wouldn't have been so bad, only I was in it myself at the time. Uh. (laughs) Well, it was the most horrible experience. I couldn't talk for hours. You couldn't, no. It wasn't that too bad. (laughs) Well, you give this list to Margie, won't you? I know she won't mind. They're just a few names. Well, goodbye now, Mr. Gildersleeve, and take my advice. Keep away from folding beds. Yes. When I get into a bed, it doesn't fold up. It just curls up. (laughs) Let me see that list. Just a few names, eh? Wow, her idea of a few names is like her idea of a few words. That family next door is beginning to get my goat. That's about the only thing they haven't been over to borrow so far, either. The next time they ask me for something, I'm going to say, Ah, good afternoon, Marjorie. Oh, hello, Uncle Moore. Marjorie, my dear, I have a little patriotic job for you to do. Oh, what is it, Uncle Moore? That girl next door, what's her name? Uh, Dilly or Daffy? Dottie? Dottie, that's her. She wants you to write letters to uh, this list of soldiers here. She can't because she had her hand squeezed in a folding bed. Oh, but Uncle Mort, I'm writing to so many soldiers already. It seems like I'm corresponding with half the army, as it is. You are? How did that happen? I was serving coffee to that troop train that was going to Cap Stover last week, and one of the detachments adopted me. Uh, adopted you? <laughs> well, I'm not exactly clear whether they adopted me or I adopted them. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the daughter of the regiment or the auntie of the anti-aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. What happened? Well, I... They voted me their parachute girl. What do they mean, parachute girl? They mean I'm the girl they'd like most to drop in on. (laughs) (laughs) And about 200 of them asked me to correspond with them. 200 letters? Couldn't you just write to them by squads? Uh, No, I guess not. There isn't much fun sharing a letter from a girl with 11 men and a corporal. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I've been writing each of them personally. And is it a job? Oh, Uncle. Uh, I don't doubt it a bit, my dear. We should all do everything we can to make them happy, however. I wish there was some way I could help. Do you think I could uh, bang out a few letters for you on the typewriter? Then you could sign your name? Well, I don't know. Would they look like a girl wrote them? Oh, of course. I'll type them very daintily. (laughs) (laughs) Say, we can put the whole family to work on this. Uh, Leroy! Uh, Bertie! Did you call me, Mr. Gilsley? Yes, where's Leroy? Here I am, Luke. What is it? Uh, Look, look, everybody. Marjorie has more letters to write to the soldiers than she can shake a pen at. Now, the boys in camp always welcome a letter. But it means far more to him if it comes from a pretty girl. Oh, Mr. Gilsleeve. <laughs> Not you, Bertie. I'm talking about Marjorie. 
Oh. Yes. Now the rest of us will have to do a little ghost writing. Excuse me, that lets me out. I ain't pale enough to do any ghost writing. <laughs> and besides, I got all I can handle writing to my own boyfriends in the service. Oh, well, all right, Bertie. Leroy, you'll help me, won't you? Each of us will take ten names and write letters as if we were Marjorie. Sure. I've always wanted to be one of those anyhow. You always wanted to be one of what, Leroy? A war correspondent, huh? (sighs) Well, that's finished. Private George Butcher, Camp Stover. Dear Butch, how are you? I am fine. I hope you are fine, too. (laughs) How was the journey to Camp Stover? As the guy in school said when he stuck his foot out into the aisle when the teacher was passing, I hope you enjoyed your trip. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Well, having nothing better to do, I wrote. And having nothing better to write, I will close. (laughs) Tenderly yours, Marjorie Forrester. P.S. If you have any empty rifle shells, please send them as my brother is making a collection. Ah, uh, this looks like it's going to be the best one yet. Let's see how it sounds. Dear John. <laughs> I take my pen in hand to thank you and your friends for selecting little me as the girl you'd like to visit most. I am not unmindful of the honor bestowed upon me, but I won't let it turn my pretty little red head. (laughs) It is indeed unfortunate that you are stationed so far from Summerfield. Otherwise, you could all come to dinner at our house some night, as I love to bake and cook. You know how we girls are. (laughs) Well, since the shades of night are drawing near, I'd better close... As my Uncle Throckmorton thinks it's time for me to go to bed, silly yours, Marjorie Forrester. Well, there we is. Dear Willie, I got your letter yesterday and hastens to inform you that the next time you send me a letter without any postage stamps on it, don't send it air mail special delivery. (laughs) I'm sorry the fudge and the fried chicken I sent you got all mixed up together, but it saves me sending you any chocolate eggs for Easter. I'm knitting you another sweater to replace the one you says you lost at the target range, only next time, kindly confine your shooting to rifle practice. (laughs) <laughs> because you never was any good at Paducah Parcheesi. <laughs> Yours truly, your ever-loving, everlasting, one and only, Bertie Lee Coggins. <laughs> P.S. Please disregard them rumors about me going out with other fellas. That's just enemy propaganda. <laughs> The mail? Oh, of course, my dear. Let's see, this is the last of March. Oh, yes, that means the June magazines are due. Oh, hello, Mr. Mailman. Say, I must have 150 letters for you. What's your niece doing, running a contest? 
Huh? I'm becoming a regular beast of burden. Oh, the male animal, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, some more letters from the soldier boys, huh? Yes, and if those guys lick as many Japs as they do stamps, the war will be over pronto. <laughs> Goodbye, Mr. Gildersleeve. Uh, so long. Oh, Marjorie, hmm? here's some answers to the letters we wrote to the army. Good heavens. All of those for me? Yeah. yeah. Let me see. Business is certainly good, sis. Oh, I'll never be able to answer all of these in a month. Oh, we'll help you, won't we, Leroy? Yeah, let's start opening them. Yeah, all right. Be careful there. Yeah, okay. Listen to this. Dear Snooky. Oh, (laughs) wait a minute, brother. Give me that letter. That one's not from the Army. Are you sure? (laughs) Yes, that's that's from a certain ensign in the Navy. And it's strictly personal. Oh, yeah, I see. (laughs) Well, we'll be true to the Army, won't we, Leroy? This one's from Camp Stover, all right. Yes, see. Uh, dear Miss Forrester, thank you for that picture of your little brother. Picture of... What do you mean, picture of my little brother? Yeah, I ran out of snapshots of you, so I sent him one of me. (laughs) Yes. No, I don't think he resembles you a bit. He sure is a funny-looking kid. What? (laughs) I'm sorry I can't send you any cartridge shells... Which you asked for, for his collection. What's this? Don't interrupt Uncle Mort. Yes, yes. But so far, I've been very busy here, acting as barber to a carload of raw potatoes. <laughs> Say, what kind of letters have you two been writing in my name? And now, Marjorie, don't fret. Look at all these letters. You can see we didn't use your name in vain. Why don't you run along downtown now, like you intended? Sure, we can clean up all this correspondence. Well, all right. Only remember, if you read any letters that turn out to be personal or private... Don't open them up. Why, of course, my dear. You can depend on us. How are we going to do that? (laughs) Oh, come on, Uncle. Let's not burn our bridges till we come to them. You're a bright boy, Leroy. (laughs) All right, here's another letter. Dear Miss Forrester, Uh, thanks for the wonderful map of the world you sent me. It comes in especially handy because current events is my hobby. Oh. Do you think girls are interested in the serious type of young man such as I represent? Sincerely, Ernest Darling. I'll take care of Darling as soon as I've read this postcard. Hello, Red. Thanks for the swell picture of yourself. It sure ghouled me, toots. From now on, I'm going to devote my non-military career to whistling under your window. Do you think you could go for me in a big way? Yours with a jive, Mickey Conway. You Gee! I'll answer that one, too. As soon as I get the other one out of the way. The one to... Uh, what's his name? You mean Ernest Darling? Yes. Now, what did he say? Uh, he thanked you for the map. All right. Uh, dear uh, Darling, I'm glad you like the map. Uh, uh, what next? Uh, current events is his hobby. Oh, yes. And I am happy to learn you have taken up uh, such a fascinating hobby. He wants to know are girls interested in the serious type. Oh. And in answer to your... Last question, darling. The answer is, uh, most certainly, yes. There. Take it, Leroy, and address an envelope. Yes, sir. Uh, and address another one to Mickey Conway. Uh, you better find an asbestos envelope. I'm going to send him a hen track hotfoot. All right, that's the first portion of The Great Gildersleeve, March 29th, 1942. More after these words. All right, thank you, Roger. All right, Lisa Wolf, we are listening to the great Gildersleeve. Now, my brother, Vince, does not like this series. I know. You've mentioned that once or twice before. And I can't figure it out. Because to me, I just think this is... I love it. 
I well, love the Great Gilded. You know, Sleeve. like we always say, each to their own. We yeah. um, always have people who love the shows, and always have people who say, "Why'd you play that show?" Yeah, so, he doesn't like it because he, he goes. He hates that laugh. Yeah. It, it, well, and that's funny because him. so many people adore Whee! that. So yeah, what can you do? Yeah. So I do that to him all the time. I'm always uh, like, "Hey, bro." Whee! Okay, now that's annoying me, but it doesn't annoy me when Greg <laughs> Gildersleeve does that. You know, Perry. it's so great to hear an early broadcast. You know, Walter Tetley especially, he sounds so young. Walter Tetley was uh, a little person, okay, and so he was an adult playing right. this role. Right. However, he was a very young adult. Yes. And so he sounds younger, much younger than when he, you know, later in the series. It's kind of interesting to hear him. I have a quick question before we start. Sure. What, as somebody, one of our listeners wants to know, what is the oldest radio episode in your collection? Um, I have, I have, I have radio shows from like 1934. Yeah. That but that's about it. Back. Yeah, yeah. Like some serials. Like I think I have some Tarzan yeah. um, radio serials from 33, 34. But really radio drama as an art form, you know, like, you know, dramatized and not just single readers. Right. That wasn't until like 34, 35, 36. They were kind of experimenting with uh, with that whole technique. You know, prior to that, it was just like people reading Right. On the radio, they would read a story, right. like an audio book. Sure. Right? Which I can't listen to. I cannot listen to an audio book. I mean, I, I have literally almost fallen asleep and drove, you know, drove off the road listening to an audio book. <laughs> I think with or without the audio I just don't like audio. I don't like audio books, but I will listen to classic radio all day long because well, it's fully sure. dramatized. There's music, sound effects. It's like way better than yeah, an audio book. Sure. All right, let's get right. back now to this uh, very funny episode of The Great Gildersleeve. Uh, hello? Yes? One moment. Long distance is calling. Long distance. Go ahead, Camp's over. Okay. Uh, hello. Is this Marge? No, it's her uncle. She's out at present. <laughs> Gee, I just got three days leave and I was coming to see you tomorrow. I was going to show up about eight. Oh, well, she'll be here. Why don't you come earlier? Say about six. Oh, well, sure, okay. Uh, just tell her Mickey Conway's coming. All right, Mickey. <laughs> it's you, eh? Didn't you get Marjorie's letter? Sure. That's why I'm coming. Why, I even bought a ring. After that letter that I, that she wrote? Sure. Why, that did the trick. I wrote thanking her for a picture. And she wrote back, Dear darling, I'm glad you liked the map. Oh, my goodness, Leroy got the envelopes mixed up. And, and when I says I'm going to make a career out of whistling under her window, she replies, I'm happy to learn you've taken up such a fascinating hobby. Oh, I see it all now. <laughs> and here's the topper. I says, could you go for me in a big way? And she says, darling, darling the answer, answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, goodbye, Uncle. I'll be seeing you at six tomorrow. And to think that I'm responsible for this one-sided romance. Six o'clock the following morning, and our hero's fallen asleep at last after spending most of the night counting soldiers. Uh, dear General, won't you come over for dinner? Bring your Jeep along to... Respectably yours, Throckmorton P. Marjorie. <laughs> 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 What's that? 
Oh, time to get up already. Where is that alarm clock? Oh, there you are. What's the matter with this clock? It won't stop. Oh, it's a telephone. Ooh, that floor is cold. (laughs) Where are my slippers? Oh, the heck with them. All right, all right, I'm coming. Yes, I heard you, operator. I'm hurrying. Hello? If... Hello, anybody want me? Must be the wrong number. Somebody's got a lot of nerve not telephoning me at this time of the morning. Ooh, it's cold. Which way is my bed? Hello? What is this, games? Hello, operator? Wait a minute, how can the bell ring with the receiver off the hook? Oh, I know, it's a doorbell. (laughs) Hold your horses, I'm coming. Yes, what is it? Is this where Miss Marjorie Forrester lives? Uh, Yes. Well, uh, I'm Private Mickey Conway, and I was told to be here at 6. At 6? Oh, my goodness, is it 6 p.m. already? No, sir, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. What? Who told you to come here at this hour? Marjorie's uncle. I'll break his... Oh, my goodness, that's me. (laughs) What did you say your name is? Uh, Mickey Conway. Yeah, I was afraid of that. Come on in, Mickey. Oh, thank you, sir. Yes, sit down. I'll see if Bertie, our cook, is up on the stove with a pot of coffee yet. (laughs) Make yourself comfortable. Good morning, Bertie. Quick, some coffee. It's almost ready, Mr. Gilsey. What gets you up so early? A soldier who's fallen for Marjorie because of some letters I've written her name. Oh, you better be careful. He'll sue you for the breaches of the promises. (laughs) This fellow got the wrong letter, that's all, Bertie. And now he's here to propose to Marjorie. But he can't do that now. She's sound asleep. I won't let him do it if she wakes up, either. What you gonna do, Mr. Gilsey? Well, it's too early in the morning for me to figure things out. I can't have an open mind without some good shut-eye. Then why don't you go on back to bed? That soldier's probably tired, too. Let him take a nap in your den while you figure this whole thing out on your pillow. Well, Bertie, that's a wonderful idea. How did you ever come to think of it? (laughs) Well, I could tell the truth. I need a little more beauty sleep myself. It's 10 o'clock, and Marjorie should be down soon. Now, remember, Leroy, and you too, Bertie, we mustn't leave those two alone together. But I still don't see why, If huh? we do, he'll start proposing to Marjorie. It'll be very embarrassing for all concerned. Yes, and especially for you. If... But wouldn't it be a lot simpler, Unc, if we were to tell Marjorie what it was all about? You mean how you put Private Darling's letter in Private Conway's envelope and vice versa? Well, on second thought, maybe your way is better, Uncle. Yeah. Well, Jiggers, here comes Marjorie now. Good morning, everybody. Well, hello, my dear. How lovely you look this morning. Oh. Yeah, you look swell to me, too, sis. <laughs> That's right. And you certainly going to look good to that soldier who came 300 miles just to pop the Ixnay, Ernie Bay, Ixnay. Just to pop what, Bertie? Oh, nothing. Nothing at all, Miss Marge. But I'm interested. Pop what? Yes. Uh, well, that is... Uh, uh, if he walked 300 miles, he probably go pop his corns. <laughs> Seems to me you're all acting a little peculiar. Why I'm the idea, I... Well, maybe not, but you've got three of the fishiest-looking pans I've seen outside of a seafood grotto. <laughs> <laughs> Say, I had a swell rush, Mr. Gil... Well, don't tell me this is Marge. Well, hiya there, Red. Uh, hi. 
Who is it, Uncle Mort? Uh, why, Marjorie, you remember Private Mickey Conway, who wrote you all those nice letters. Who? Uh, Ouch. Oh, oh. Oh, yes, how are you, Mr. Conway? Oh, now, baby, cut out that Mr. stuff. I'm just plain Mickey to you. Yes, he's just a plain Mickey to all of us. <laughs> Why, he came all the way from Camp Stover to spend the day with you. Uh, with me. Uh, with us, I mean. <laughs> now, uh, what do we do first? Well, uh, first, I'd like to have a quiet little confidential talk with Marge here. Uh, oh, not on an empty stomach, Mickey. Where's your sense of romance? Oh, well, uh, all right. Uh, well, let's have some breakfast first. Yes. But uh, right after that, I got something to show her. What is it, Uncle Mark? Well, he wants to show you the town. I mean, uh, we want to show him the town, don't we, Marjorie? Oh, oh, yes, of course we do. Uh, Suppose I take him out for a ride this morning. Why, fine. We'll all take him for a ride. Say, uh, <laughs> uh, would you uh, care to drive, Mickey? Huh, what a rabbit eat cabbage. Oh, I see. Uh, it's very cute. <laughs> you can drive our car, and I'll sit next to you, just to show you how the gears shift and where to put on the brakes. And there's uh, Marjorie. Yes? You can sit in the back seat with Leroy. <laughs> Did y'all have a nice ride? Yes, we all did. That is all except Mickey and me. Well, that just leaves Mr. Gillsleeve and Leroy. You're right. We tried to leave them a dozen times. What's the matter? Did they chaperone you too vigorously? They didn't chaperone us, Bertie. They convoyed us. <laughs> Why, every time Mickey opened his mouth, Uncle Mort put his foot in. <laughs> what they doing now? Oh, Uncle Mort showing Mickey our family album in the living room. Oh, great stars! Anything wrong? Oh, I'll say there is. I better get in there before they come to my baby pictures. <laughs> and this one is Marjorie at the age of one, I think. Fat little rascal, wasn't she, Mickey? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, cute dimples, huh? <laughs> I'll say. Now, let me get a good look. Yeah. Boy, was she fat. <laughs> oh, don't you dare. Let me see that picture. Uh, oh, oh, well, that's all right. <laughs> Go right ahead. Uh, oh, then you don't mind? Not in the least. Only that isn't me. It isn't? Then who is it? It happens to be you, Uncle Boy. What? <laughs> Where's my mustache? Oh, well, that's right. <laughs> uh, I didn't have one, did I? <laughs> uh, say, uh, yeah? uh, Uncle Mort, yeah? if, uh, if it's all the same to you, uh, could I have a minute alone with Red here? Uh, if you uh, want to be alone? That's the general idea, General. Well, uh, how about it? Why, of course, I understand. <laughs> All right, but only a minute, mind you. Bertie, quick. Get in there and do something. Yeah, but what? Anything. Uh, don't leave them alone until someone relieves you. Just uh, move the piano, dust under the rug. <laughs> play the Star Spangled Banner. What does it matter? <laughs> yes, sir, play What Does It Matter? <laughs> oh, how do I get myself into these messes? Oh, now there's somebody at the door. As if I didn't have enough to do already. Here's a mail, Mr. Gildersleeve. I've got a gob for Marjorie, too. No, thanks. She has a soldier in the living room already. <laughs> oh, dear. I'd better get Leroy warmed up to go in for Bertie. Leroy! Where is that boy? Leroy! Here I am, Uncle Boy. Look, Leroy. Bertie is in there pinch-hitting for me. I don't know how soon she'll strike out, so you better be ready to go in there and see that Mickey doesn't get to first base. Well, uh, what about you, Uncle? I've got a telephone for reinforcements. Uh, I'm so desperate... I'm going to invite Judge Hooker to dinner. Gee, are things that bad? Yep. <laughs> Leroy, he'll just talk and talk and talk. If he runs down, you ask him what he did in the Spanish-American War. That's good for two hours. 
Yeah, but it's three hours till dinner. How will we hold out till then? That's the problem, my boy. Oh, Mr. Gildersleeve. Are you home, Mr. Gildersleeve? Gee, that Gabby gal from next door. Yes, there's the answer to our problem. I'm coming, Dottie. <laughs> Sorry I'm late for dinner. A uh, fine time to come here for dinner, 8 o'clock. And you're a fine friend to depend on, Judge Hooker. Now, wait a minute. I won't wait another minute. We waited as long as we could, then we had our dinner. You mean you didn't wait for me? No, that girl from next door took your place, Judge. What delayed you? I had a puncture with that rubber strainer you gave me for an inner tube. <laughs> that wasn't a strainer. That tube was made out of the finest reclaimed Gildersleeve girdles. Why? <laughs> you... Big blowfish. What? And after I've been hauling you to town every day on my poor thin tires, I've got a good notion to punch you. Uh, Judge Hooker, you couldn't punch your way out of a bag of marshmallows. <laughs> Guess I'll have to show you. I'd polish you off with one uppercut, only I can't decide which chin to aim for. <laughs> oh, yes? Well, you twitch one eyebrow at me, Hooker. And the first eight girls won't know where to begin. Is that so? Yes, that's so. Well, I'll start yes, this. Yes, I... What's going on here? No, uh, oh, your uncle swindled me out of a lot of free rides. Serves you right for standing me up when I needed you here to keep that soldier from posing to Marjorie. What? Yeah, she doesn't know. <laughs> and this is all your fault, Hooker. Marjorie, let me explain. Some letters were sent to the wrong soldiers, and he thought that you... Uh, uh, Oh, it's too involved. Mickey wants to marry you. Oh, is that what he's been trying to say all day? Well, he had me worried. I thought he was trying to tell me that my slip was showing. <laughs> hey, Uncle Mickey, I'd like to talk to you private. Oh, I might as well do the other half of the job. Send him in. Now, Judge, you and Marjorie go out the other door. Okay, Gildy. Come on, my dear. Do you think Bertie has anything left over from dinner? If she has, you'll have to fight the cat for it. <laughs> oh, hello, Mickey. Uh, gee, Mr. Gillisleeve, uh, this is awful embarrassing to say, but uh? do you mind not telling Marjorie about our engagement? Uh, what? Well, you see, <laughs> I guess I changed my mind. Now I'm nuts about this little dotty girl from next door. Uh, gee, she isn't as pretty as Marjorie, but I get a chance to talk to her. You do? Yeah, and she's such a wonderful conversationalist. I'll grant her that. Well, maybe it's all for the best, Mickey. You and Dottie run along now, and lots of luck. <laughs> You're going to need it. Oh, gee. Oh, thanks, Mr. Gildersleeve. Hey, Dottie, come on. Let's get out of this dump. Oh, yes. well, Mickey, I didn't oh, know. Yeah, well, I knew everything would come out all right. Uncle, huh? look at this telegram that just came for me. It's from some um, Captain Earl Eby at Camp Stover. Oh, Captain Eby. Well, I've been corresponding with him. Oh, for you, of course. Uh, uh, what does it say? Um, Dear Marjorie... Hooray, we are being transferred to Summerfield. Hmm? Since you frequently requested the pleasure of my company for dinner at your home, I'm happy to accept for tomorrow night on behalf of my entire company and myself. Oh, this is going to be one of my bad weeks. Original music heard on this program was composed and conducted by William Randolph. This is Jim Bannon speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company and inviting you to be with us again next week at this same time for the further adventures of The Great Gildersleeve. This program has come to you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. That 
is an NBC radio broadcast of the great Gildersleeve, March 29, 1942. The show had been on the air, oh, let's see, about seven months, so very new. It was on the air on radio all the way until 1957, from 1941 until 1957. How many years is that? Well, that is, uh, (laughs) you know, I think that's like about 17 seasons, because it's 16 years, but it's about 17 seasons. That's a long time to be on the air. It sure is. And then it made a transition to television in 1955. So it was on the radio and TV from 55 to 57. Um, Really kind of interesting because Hal Perry, who originated this role, the role of Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, on the Fibber McGee and Molly show, he was, I mean, this is who he was. I mean, he was the great Gildersleeve, right? Everything he did was all about the great Gildersleeve. He made movies as Gildersleeve and all this. But then in 1950, an opportunity came his way from a rival network, from CBS, because he was on NBC. And CBS said, hey, we want to give you your own show, you know, and, you know, you can have a piece of it and all this kind of stuff. And they made him this great offer, this offer too, too good to be, you know, for him to pass up. And he went over to to CBS, and he did a show called Honest Herald. We've played some. Not a very good series. Yeah, it was a bad move. lasted one season. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, wah, wah. I don't have my yeah. sound effect. Uh-oh. But it was like, wah, wah. And they had replaced him. NBC, no problem. They just replaced him with Willard Waterman. And if you listen to Willard Waterman and you listen to Hal Perry, they're almost identical. Very little, few little nuances, different, but pretty much like this. Nobody knew. Nobody even picked up on it at all. Smooth transition. On the radio. You know, they went from the end of one season in 1949, then in 1950, the new season, they had a new actor, and nobody ever knew the difference. Yeah. Crazy. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that March 29th, 1942 episode of The Great Gildersleeve, sort of a veterans uh, uh, program. We have uh, we have a few commercials here, and then we'll be right back. Lisa, you're on WGN. Did you know I, that? You know, I like that jingle. That's a great jingle. I it's love all good. the jingles. Some people like it. Some people don't. I'm I, a fan. It's nostalgic. I it like is. it. It goes I like with our show. Nostalgic. I like you know? it. And uh, you're on WGN Radio. Did you know, know that? Isn't that crazy? Wow. You know, I grew up in Chicago. I know you grew up in Chicago. I I used to listen to WGN my whole life. I mean, since I could, you know, when I came out of the womb, I was listening to WGN. (laughs) I bet you were. (laughs) Hi, Mom. (laughs) Hi, Mom out there. I was listening to WGN. I've always loved WGN. I've always wanted to have a show on WGN. And... Now we do. And so, well, guess I'm what? Glad I guess could what, make this Lisa happen Wolf? for you, Carl. <laughs> Thank you so much. But uh, you know what? You know what that proves? What? That if you want something bad enough yeah. and you're willing to work towards it, right? Right? And work hard and What's the lesson here? And pray about it and all the different things that you do. You can accomplish anything in life. I wanted a radio show on WGN my whole life, and now we're on WGN. And you know what? I get so thrilled about coming here every Saturday and Sunday and doing this radio show. I, I love it. I, I look I forward to it so much. I share that thrill with you. Yeah, I really, really do. It's such an honor to be on this station it is. and to be playing these great classic radio shows. And you know what, Lisa? We're going to take a cruise. We are. August 1st, 2020, and we're hoping that... Our 
our listeners will want to come with us. If they don't come with us, it won't be any fun. Right. <laughs> That's the point. I'm going to be, so. hey, I'm going to be like, hey, look, uh, there's Bermuda. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep sailing. Uh, We're yeah. going on Oceana Cruise Line, which is the finest uh, luxury cruise line around. So it's the best of the best. Great food, great entertainment. Um, you know, I haven't been on Oceana, so Me I can't neither. speak firsthand, but um, in reading about it and talking to those in the know, that seems to be the one well, that we want to go on. My parents on cruise on it, and and so that now says a lot. soon we will say that we did too. Right. We hope you'll join us. We're going to two islands in Bermuda. We're going to explore St. George and Hamilton. We're going to explore the ship as well. There's a casino, and there's lounges, and um, there's spas, and pools, and entertainment, and um, we are going to have some classic radio fun as well. We're going to be uh, giving a lot of prizes, and trivia, and reenactments, and, and the best part is we're just going to have time to just have some relaxation with our listeners. Yep, and uh, you can learn all about it by going to our website, WGNRadioTheater.com. Scroll down, and there's a banner. Just click it, or there's a toll-free number, right? Yeah, you can call our travel agency, Keen Luxury Travel. The number is 800-856-1155. All right, in our next hour, Cavalcade of America, another Veterans Day show, so stay with us. Hour three of the WGN Radio Theater, 105 in the morning. It is Sunday morning, and we're that much closer to Veterans Day. We are playing Veterans Day-themed programs, classic radio programs for you. And in this hour, it is the Cavalcade of America with Iron Camels from 1943. Pat O'Brien starring in that broadcast. Uh, I think you're going to like that, Lisa. But right now, it's time to play our game, Cat's Pride. Guess that song. Right. We're going to guess that song. We're still in 1964 songs. We will be be giving away two tickets to see Marjorie. Now, don't blow it, because you've picked all great songs except for one so far tonight. So are these two going to be good? Let's see if you like them. Oh, I don't think you're going to like the first one. Uh, Is it like a romantic one? Um, it's romantic, I don't I think you're going like to like either of these. Oh, <laughs> man, you were on such a roll. Yeah, well, so. maybe I'll I'll be All wrong. Right. Okay. I like them both, so All that's right. what's important here. Okay. We're going to be giving away two tickets to Marjorie Prime at Skokie Theater, and we're looking for caller number two. Call right away, 312-981-7200. We'll be right back. Guess that song. Uh, we're going to guess that song. We have Sandra on the line to play the game. Hi, Sandra. Hello there. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Terrific. Well, Hi, I'm looking, Sandra. I'm looking over my songs. Hello. Hi, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking over the songs really carefully, and I'm positive that the first song is not one that Carl will appreciate, but it's a really cool song, so we're going to hear a couple seconds of it right now. Does oh. he love me? I want to love. And that's all you get. What do no you think? No idea. Oh my gosh. What? I have no idea. What? Were you not born in 1964? You were one. I was one, yeah. This is a great song. Do you know it, Sandra? No, I don't know it either. Oh, wow. All right. Well, let's listen to a little more and I'll give you some information. <laughs> no Carl's no help whatsoever. Does he love me? I want to know. See, it's a romantic song. Yes, I don't. Here it is. Is it in his Oh my gosh. All right. 
right? I so shouldn't have. Is, I shouldn't have complimented this her. This is Betty earlier. ever. Chip, Sandra, chip I told her she was picking it's, great songs. Uh, it's and then, in his kiss. Wah, and the, the backup vocals. Yeah, but it's a great song, even though Carl doesn't know it. And the backup vocals were provided by a local female group from Chicago called the Opals. I've never really? heard of the Opals. Nice. All right. I don't know if you're going to like this one anymore, but this is a great song. Number two. Let's hear it. There you go. Ah, that one I think that I know. That one's a good one. Do you know that one, Sandra? I know the two before in the, in the <laughs> second half, but I don't know this one. Um, Carl? Did you say duty? You're so close. It's do a diddy diddy dum diddy do. Let's hear it. Oh, my goodness. There she was. Just walking down the street singing do like diddy diddy dum diddy do Tapping her fingers and shuffling her feet singing so- Okay, it was good before you sang it, but this is Manfred Mann, Do a Diddy Diddy. So get this, they wrote the first line of the song, which is there she there she was just walking down the street, and they filled the second line with what they imagined a young girl skipping down the street would sing. Do a diddy diddy dum diddy do. I forgot. Yeah, it's a great song. She looked fine. She looked fine. She looked good. She looked good. That's a good song. Good. She looks That's a fine. good song. I you like know what, that. Sandra? You're the winner here. You have won a great. Sandra, you look good. You look good. Do I do? You diddy. look fine. Diddy dum diddy do. You won two tickets to Marjorie Prime. It's playing right now at Skokie Theater. It's through November 24th, and it's set 40 years in the future. So, Carl. Yeah, Lisa will take you in a rocket ship I'll there. I'll take you in my spaceship there. You can check it out at skokietheater.org. You're going to love it. They do great shows at Skokie Theater. There so you congratulations. Go, Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, hon. Right, Thank you. All right, she's a big winner. 312-981-7200. That's our text in line. We'll be here another 45 minutes. We love getting your texts. But right now, it's time for the Cavalcade of America. This was an anthology drama series long run, Lisa. 1935 until 1953. You just flip-flop flip the, the, th- the threes right. and the fives. I and get it. Was, uh, <laughs> I understand. You are smart. It was sponsored it. by quick. DuPont. And uh, this was uh, kind of documented historical events were dramatized on this series. And uh, there were stories of individual courage and initiative, achievement, triumphs against all odds, often through technological innovation. And the stories were written by the greatest writers of all time, including Arthur Miller, Stuart Hawkins, Robert Tallman, many others. Stars were like Orson Welles, Ray Collins, Cary Grant, John McIntyre, Agnes Moorhead, Ronald Reagan, Mickey Rooney, Tyrone Power. Great. I mean, everybody wanted to be on the Cavalcade of America. It was telecast. It had a TV series from 1952 until 1957. We have a broadcast from 1943, September 13th to be exact. It was heard on the Red Network. NBC had an had a blue and a red network, and this was on the Red Network. This is called Iron Camel, sponsored by DuPont. And big cast, Pat O'Brien starring in it, along with Wally Mayer, Howard McNear, Elliot Reed, Frank Graham, Jack Edwards Jr. Big cast. It's a, sort of a veterans-type theme. Let's tune this in. Part one now of the Cavalcade of America. 
The Cavalcade of America, sponsored by DuPont, maker of better things for better living through chemistry, since Pat O'Brien in Iron Camels. Tonight, Cavalcade brings you the story of a modern Casey Jones. A story about the railroads and the railroad men of the Army Transportation Corps and the vital part they played in the winning of Tunisia. It is a true story based on a detailed report from a correspondent in North Africa. It was adapted for Cavalcade by Sue Taylor White as a play for one of motion pictures' outstanding personalities, Pat O'Brien. And so tonight on the Cavalcade of America, Pat O'Brien is Lieutenant Colonel Steve Carey of the Army Transportation Corps. <laughs> sounds in the world, the working song of a big steam locomotive. Today you can hear that sound in places where there's never been any form of transportation other than a horse or a camel or a man's back since the dawn of time. The sound of an American locomotive installed and operated by the United States Army Transportation Corps. Now, just because I'm an officer in the Transportation Corps, I, I'm not going to claim we win all the battles single-handed. No, indeed. The Army is a team, and it's the teamwork that counts. But you must remember this. Every gallon of gasoline, every bomb and bullet and shell that you folks at home turn out has to reach the fighting fronts before it's any good to any of us. And that takes men and wheels, railroads and railroad men. Nowadays, an Army marches on its ammunition trains. In the North African desert, they call them Iron Camel. just behind the front of the Kasserine Pass. Remember that name? Kasserine Pass? Hmm. That's where the Germans licked us. Yeah, almost. It was a hot night, and I was in a little hut next to our tracks doing some paperwork. The men had worked like dogs all day, laying a double track right up to the front lines, and we were all dead tired. Every so often, an ammunition train would rumble past us, taking a load of shells up to the artillery boys who were handing it out to the Germans as fast as they covered into the guns. So we knew we'd done our job and done it right. And we were feeling pretty good. There was only one thing I noticed that I didn't like. The sound of that artillery fire seemed to be getting nearer. And that was likely to mean trouble. Uh, say, Colonel. What do you want, Counts? Well, are you busy, Colonel? Busy? No, no, of course not. I just sit here looking at the scenery all night long. Yeah. Beautiful, ain't it? What do you want? Colonel, I got a feeling... Now, listen, this is transportation, not the medical corps. Oh, I, I ain't sick, Colonel, but do you hear that artillery? Of course I hear it. Well, I got a feeling we're going to start moving backwards. Yeah? Suppose you go to sleep somewhere and stop demoralizing the armed forces. Okay, sir, but here comes a courier, and I'll bet he didn't come up here to pass out medals. Colonel Carey? That's right. Give it here. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Tell him we're on our way. Yes, sir. Collins? I know, sir. Shut up. We've got four locomotives. Detail men to get them hot and hype the hell out of here. Yes, sir. But two of them hogs are as cold as the back of my neck, sir. We're not leaving good American steam engines for the master race to play with. Come on. Yes, sir. Where's that French section boss? There he is, leading the band. Hey, Rowe! You come to listen to our concert, monsieur? Beautiful. Some music, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, uh, we're pulling out, Rowe. Out? Mm-hmm. I want all those Arabs on board a train and out of here in one hour. You help Collins warm up those two cold engines. Yeah, but where we go? The front lines are so close already, monsieur. We're not going to the front lines. We're going away from them. The Germans are breaking through the Kasserine Pass. No, monsieur. Oh, yes, monsieur. The American army is in retreat. Now, your boss is action hands. Don't lose any. Let's move. Will you? I can't see that valve. Oh, what happened to that other ring? Oh, it better come a little this way. Let it drop slow now. Collins. Collins, where's Collins? Hey, this, sir, right here. We got this engine hot and ready to scramble. Put Blackburn on her. Send her out. Go on over to number six. See what's holding them up there. Blackburn, get aboard and take her out. Yes, sir. Come on, hop on. Come on, you? get aboard, Joe. Hey, where's next? Give her the gun, Blackburn. That one's gone. What's the matter here? Collins, what are you doing? We'll never get these two babies hot. Not in time, sir. Ah, they're getting awful close with that artillery. All right, son, now look. We'll leave this one and number seven behind. Take off her side rods. I don't want any jewelry left on her. Burn out her pistons and do the same with number seven. Colonel Carey. Colonel. Yeah, that's right. Over here, I'm Colonel Carey. The Germans just broke through the pass. What do you mean, broke through? Isn't anybody fighting them anymore? Fighting them all the way, sir. But there's no telling when they'll be down on us. Boy, I can feel the ground shaking now. All right, Collins. Let's see one of your burning torches. Come on. Ain't we getting out? We'll put on the last engine. Those two coal hogs have got to be made useless. Hop up here. Yes. Now, here's a torch. All right, give me gas. Got a match on you? Here, I'll light this here. More oxygen. Stand by. Here goes a good piston. <laughs> Boy, look at that steel burning. Well, it's just one locomotive that ain't going to carry no Germans very far. Say, sir, why don't we just blow up these two engines and scram? Collins, I got a feeling we'll be back here soon. And I'd rather fix a busted piston than put an expo locomotive back together again. Uh-oh, they're shooting at us. Give me more oxygen. But, gee, maybe they're only over that hill there. More oxygen. Oh, that one nearly parted my hair. Look, go on over to number seven and see if they got steam up. She's still cold. Tell Smooth to burn her pistons. And I mean burn, see? Like I'm doing it here. Scorch your guts out. And get everybody who isn't working already on number eight. She's the only one left to get away on. You uh, sure we got time to burn her out, huh? Son, the only thing I'm sure of right now is that the German army is coming through those hills. Now get going. Yes. Yes, sir. You ready to pull out of here? Yes, sir. Watch it, duck! You all right? 
Well, I've been better, Colonel. Is that Smith in the cab with you? Right here, sir. We burned out number seven, and this one's hot and ready to go, sir. All right, boy, give her the gum. Go ahead. Well, ain't you coming? This is the last iron camel out of here. No, I'll cut across that bend out there and make sure all the men are cleared out. You two slow down beyond that gully and pick me up there. Get a rolling. Go ahead. I'll be right around the bend. Okay, sir. So long. Well, let's go, Smitty. Start a rolling. Okay, sir. Who, me? Yeah, you. Start a rolling. That's an order. Now, look, Sergeant. Now, listen, Private First Class. I don't want no arguments. I got to look out of this window here and watch out for the colonel. You got to do the driving. Well, I... Well, if that's the way you want it, sir. Well, that's the way I want it. Hey, wait a minute. What are you doing turning on the steam? Are you crazy? Uh, that's what I mean, Sarge. I, I tried to tell Try you. Try to tell me what? I can't. I, I, I never drove no locomotive in my I life. don't care if you never... Wait a minute. You don't know how to drive this thing? Uh-uh. And you're in the Army Transportation Corps? Ah, what, what can the government be thinking of? Well, I... Hey, Sarge. I don't think this is no time to stand on ceremony. I think you better drive. You think I'd be asking you to pilot this pig? I could do it myself. Oh, I, I get it. You can't either. You can't either. No. And we ain't got no time for no correspondence school course. Get out of my way. Well, what are you going to do, sir? I'm going to learn by trial and by error. What's this thing? I think that was an error. Oh, yeah? So concentrate on silence, okay? Well, here's something. Hold on. I'll give this one a pull. See, we're moving. Yeah, we're moving. Hey, Sarge, we're going backwards. We're going toward the German lines. Hey, shut that thing off. All right, all right. Stop all the time criticizing. Here we go, frontwards. I hope. See, there it is. Now, you did it all right. Boy, sure feels good to be getting out of here. Hey, look back there. Those German tanks come around the hill? I got no time to look back. If they're German tanks, I feel more interested in looking straight ahead. Boy, look at us go around this old turn. Hey, there's the colonel up ahead. Slow down. Yeah, that's what I was thinking myself. Where's the brake I wanted? Brake? Wait a second. Oh, here, I'll, I'll pull this. Oh, stop pulling the whistle. I'll try this handle. I think we're in a rut, Collins. All we do is make noises. Now, come on, do something. We're going to pass the colonel. Well, hold on. I'm going to pull everything. Boy, you sure stopped there, Collins. Yeah, I sure did. There's the colonel. Oh, colonel. What are you trying to do, flatten the wheels? Oh, me and the sergeant were sort of experimenting. Hop in, colonel. Well, stop experimenting. All the men got out on the other engine. Germans won't find anything now but scrap back there. Get it going now, Collins, and fast. Well, Colonel, you see... Uh... We're shop men, Colonel. We never run one of these before. You didn't? Get away from that throttle. Yes, sir. Say, uh, where are we heading for, Colonel, if you don't mind telling us? No, I don't mind telling you. We're going to Met Louis. You boys feel tired? I don't feel nothing in this cement mixer. Because if you do, you'd better find something to lean against and get some sleep. Well, I was thinking of sleeping in Met Louis. Well, forget it. As soon as we hit Met Louis, every man who can stand up is going to load the machine shops onto flat cars and push off. Load the machine shops? Are we going to be cut off in Met Louis, too? We're being swamped. We're in retreat. So loosen your belts and relax, boys. You got the hardest job in your lives waiting for you ten miles down that track. The first portion of Iron Camels 
on the Cavalcade of America, September 13, 1943. Story about the U.S. Army Transportation Corps keeping the ammo trains running during the war. I love it. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Are we celebrating your birthday next weekend? My birthday? Yeah. It was um, two weeks ago. What do you mean two weeks ago? It's November 14th. My birthday? Yeah. Carl, you're confused. Wait. Oh, wait. Wait. What's coming up? What's coming up November 14th? Carl, October 14th was my birthday. That's right. That's what I meant. And you gave me a present. I I messed up. It's your anniversaries coming up, right? (laughs) Yes, it is. Okay. (laughs) Are we celebrating your anniversary? No. We're not. We're not going to celebrate your anniversary. No, we are not. (laughs) I'm losing it. Not unless you're my husband, which you are not. not. Then we won't be celebrating (laughs) my anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) You are. You are. But you are my best friend. Yeah, but we don't celebrate my best, anniversary. They should have a best friend day. Don't you think, Ashley? Don't you think they should have an, a best friend Here's day? Here's the problem. What if one person thinks you're a best friend and the other person thinks you're just a good friend? Aren't I your best friend? You are. Okay, good. <laughs> I hope so. Because you're my best friend. You're my best friend. All right, so let me tell you about the best, best friend. friend. That should be our theme da, song. Da, um, da, Ashley, da, da, don't they? There that, should be a, a best courtship friend day. of Eddie's father, right? Can do you, you guys find have a friend anniversary? Like, do you know when friend anniversary? No, I don't know, but I, I remember the first time we met because I went to your office to audition for a Twilight Zone radio drama and got lost on the way. Right. So I called you up. Never spoke to you before. Right. And I called you up. I was really close, but I couldn't. And you were very I was, giggly. Well, I was nervous. She was, I was giggly on in the, the phone. complex, but I couldn't find that exact door of the building i was driving in circles so i i said i'm we were I'm, having I'm auditions confused. for the twilight zone radio dramas and here's this this actress is coming well, in, i didn't want to and be she's late. late like that no i she's was late. not late that's why i called but you she called because me because the she's last all giggly. thing i will do is be late well yeah because i was nervous and then i thought this isn't sounds interesting oh i was and uh <laughs> and then you came there and you you did good i don't know if you got that part but i think you did good i must have did well I st- I'm still around. You did so. good. Yeah, you did good. <laughs> you I, think did good she, I think you did well. I think I did, I too. I don't know if you got that part. I can't remember. But that's I when got we a first... bigger part. But I'll tell you what. I got this part. That's right. But I'll tell you what. It had to be, let's think, what year was it? Because 2009, we, we started, started yeah, the but radio, it was the other radio that, show. Yeah, but before that, because so probably, I was already there. I'm going to guess like six or seven. Six or seven what? 2006. No, it wasn't. No, no, it was no, it was later than that. It was closer. It was closer to the beginning of the radio show. Maybe just a couple of months before the radio show started. So it was two thousand nine. It was was the same year. We started in April of two thousand nine. It was probably that year. So okay. Early. So we've known each other since two thousand and yeah, late two thousand eight. I would to say beginning I would of two thousand nine. Yeah, I would say early two thousand nine. Well, that's a long. That's ten is. years. It is a long time. It's ten years. Wow! Hey, we're ha- we have an anniversary. Do you have then. the courtship of Eddie's father? It's a song. We find it for later. <laughs> yeah. It's a theme song it from a good. show that like was the on theme. in the sixties. All right. Well, uh, so we're not celebrating anything next week. No, we aren't. But oh, you know good. what? I always like gifts, so I'm always. Right. I got always you a fine. nice gift for your birthday. You did, but this is my anniversary. Well, you could get something. I'll take else. you and Dan out to dinner. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> McDonald's, Wendy's. Uh, White vote, Castle. How about Burger King? 
White Castle, Burger King. <laughs> what do you great. like? Which one of those? I'll, I'm um, a big spender. I'll, 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 I'll splurge. Um, probably Chipotle. Okay. Okay. You got it. All right. Now back to the Cavalcade of America. Take your A-Rabs and go over the whole string. Make sure everything is lashed down tight. We're pulling out in an hour. Maybe, sir. Maybe, sir, I get in the range. Yeah, you better make it 40 minutes instead of an hour. Go ahead. Maybe, sir. We just got a call over the field telephone. The Germans have cut the tracks on both sides of us. We can't roll this stuff out, and Captain Allen's asking for orders, sir. No, he is, huh? Yes, sir. If you uh, want to blow up the machinery before the Germans get here... Well, I got three squads all set to go to work. Well, that's thoughtful of you, Collins. Now, I'll tell you what. Take your squads, roll out those trucks in that shed over there, get hold of roll, unload everything off the flat cars and onto the bucks. Yes, sir. But I'd just like to remind you, sir, there ain't no roads in this here country. We'll cut across the desert. Then you don't want no demolition squads now. Now, listen, Collins. We're not going to blow anything up as long as we can move a muscle. Too many guys worked hard to turn this stuff out, and too many guys gave their lives sailing it across the ocean. Now, get that stuff out of those trucks. We'll blow it up when it needs to be blown up. Until then, it's moving day and move! Order number 152M3. Immediate attention. Lieutenant Colonel Stephen Carey, Transportation Corps. We are attacking. Germans are destroying all railroad track as they retreat. Repair of track essential to success of our movements. You are to rebuild track up to front lines at maximum possible speed, keeping pace at all times with moving front. You will be under attack by German air forces, but we will give you as much air protection as we can spare. Acknowledge. Signed, Johnson, Adjutant General Headquarters. Well, we build it. Track and track and more track and even bridges. I remember one bridge especially in Tunisia. We'd build a line all the way up to this river and, well, the bridge stopped us cold. It was ripped up by the Germans so you, well, you couldn't get a kiddie car over it, let alone a locomotive. Up ahead, our army was battling the Germans. On our side of the bridge, our trains were waiting, filled with ammunition and supplies that the boys just had to have. Oh, we worked days and we worked nights. It was near mature. You remember that name. The Germans were throwing everything they had at our boys. And here were trainloads of supplies waiting to cross the bridge. Well, finally, one afternoon, we had track laid almost the whole length of the bridge and on its approaches. Hey there, Rule. Oh. How does it look? Well, now I'm working and I believe we will be finished. Nobody can work like Arab section hands. Yeah. You know, I was kind of afraid I'd have trouble with them. Different kind of people and all, you never can tell. Uh, just let me keep bundling them and there will be no trouble. You don't suppose they could stop that singing, do you? Makes it kind of hard to concentrate. Unnerves me sometimes, you know. I think it will be better to keep singing, Colonel. You see, here comes a Luftwaffe again. Everybody down, take cover. Roll, tell them to take cover and stop that singing. Gardez-vous! Gardez-vous! Better get down into the stitch, Colonel. Coming. 
Come on down in here, Colin. Yes, sir. Oh, if they bust up that bridge again, I'm going to go crazy. Oh, listen to those Arabs. Are they nuts? Here they come. Dig in. Right with you, sir. Get down and strike Listen to those Arabs now. They are happy now, so they sing louder. As I was saying before, Colonel, I think better you allow them to sing. Yeah, yeah, I feel better myself, I guess, when they're singing. Hey, Collins, anybody get hurt? No, no, everybody's okay, sir. We're going to have clear track in half an hour, sir, right through to the front. Ah, that's wonderful. Go to the field telephone and notify headquarters. They can start those ammunition trains coming through. The stretch is clear. Right, sir. Rule, you better get going. Those honeys are on us again. Oh, you think they let a man finish his job? Oh, look. Here, look. American planes, Mustangs. They're fighting off the Germans. All right. Scatter your men, Rule. Scatter them. Everybody down. Dig in, all of you. There's a plane falling, and it's one of ours. Jump in here, Rule. Oh, that poor kid. Look at him up there. Any room in that trench? Jump in, you lunatic. <laughs> look at him, sir. He's trying to pull out. Colonel, he's going to smash up on our tracks. Oh, kid, whoever you are, straighten out. Straighten out, boy, don't fall. No, he must be hurt bad. He's not bailing out. He's heading straight for the bridge, Colonel. The poor guy, don't hit that bridge. Don't, don't. Oh, he's trying to turn around the tracks. Oh, look at that boy. Get down. Here he comes. Come on, before he starts burning. Yes, sir. Sure. Yeah, right, Rule. Grab this wing with me. Turn her over. Fire! The engine's burning. She's gonna explode. All right, everybody, push up. Push up. Up! 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 up, up. All right, come on, get him out of here. Grab the cockpit cover. Pull. Pull now. Let me smash the hatch. The cover's jammed. All right, go ahead and be careful. Don't hurt the kid now. Come on, he's moving. He's alive. Rule, get him throwing sand on that engine before the tanks catch fire. This up. Hello, Vivi. All right. Grab one of the arms. Yes, sir. Up. Now. There we go. He has legs, sir. He must have got it in the legs. Up with him. There he is. Smith, grab his legs. Yes, sir. All right. Let's get away from this thing. Rule, get everybody clear before she blows. Serve me, move. Serve me, move. Touch you. We're safe, miss. She won't blow this far. Here comes first aid. All right. Let him down. There. Uh, All right. Come on. We pull that plane off the tracks before she blows. But she... Okay, sir. I'm with you, sir. There she goes, sir. Yeah. And there goes our track. Oh, sometimes I get awfully discouraged, Collins. Look at that hole. Look at it. Yes, sir. I didn't have time to tell you, sir. Headquarters said over the phone it was wonderful how we got the track clear. No, they did, huh? Yes, sir. They also said that they were sending the ammunition trains right through, sir. Yeah? Well, that's really big of them. Yeah, we ain't never going to get that hole filled and track laid in no time for trains. What a war. All right, Collins, here's the tick. That plane wreckage won't cool enough to move in the morning. I want a shoe fly thrown around that section. Curve out the tracks about, well, say, 30 feet around the plane and start your fly back there by the legs. Right, sir. Roll! Oh, come in, monsieur. Now, listen, roll. Get your gang, bring in new ties, haul up the rails and angle bars. If you need anything, just holler, but get those guys going. You understand? Oui, monsieur. Hello! Hello, Collins. 
I think we're going to break a record laying track. Yeah, I'd like it very much. Those ammo trains could go right through. In fact, if we don't break a couple of records, the United States Army is going to start moving backwards again for lack of ammunition. And if they move backwards, we're going to have to blow up that bridge. And if I have to blow that bridge up after all the headaches we had building it, I'm going to leave the Transportation Corps, pick up a cannon, and go hunting Germans. Now, let's see some smoke around here. Oh, it's going forward, monsieur. Fine, fine, great. Oh, but must those Arabs make that beautiful music all the time? Drool, tell each and every one of those boys that the colonel is a lover of Arabian music. That after the war, he's going to buy himself an album of Arabian records and play them over and over again every morning in memory of those wonderful people. Now, let's play some tracks. Well, the sun went down that day, and we kept at it, feeling the tracks for vibration that would tell us of the approach of those ammo trains. News came through that the Germans had bombed our forward ammunition depot. Our artillery up ahead had, well, four-hour supply of shells, no more. Uh, I tell you frankly, if our boy had to retreat again because the supply trains were held up, I, I think I'd have eaten my helmet, strap and all. Because I did not intend to blow up the rails we'd laid if I could possibly help it. It was, uh, long about midnight. I was checking rail widths on the new shoe fly we'd almost finished. Collins came running to me. The wrecked plane was still smoking where she lay. Colonel, the trains are coming down the line. The tracks are buzzing like an electric razor. Roll! Roll, what do you say? We're working for Buzz McCutcheon. These sparks can only go in when they are found. Well, where's the sledge? Come on, Collins, grab a hammer. Let's bang in a couple. Here you are, sir. I'll hold the spike. Okay. She started now, Collins. Yeah. Grab a sledge. Right, sir. Smith! Yes, sir! Grab Anner. Get back there and flag her down. Yes, sir! She's coming up fast, sir. Bang that spike, boy. Bang it! Yes, sir. We hear you, pal. We hear you. Here she comes, sir. Are you coming back to roll? Oh, it's done one minute, monsieur. Sir. Well, we got them all pounded in here, sir. Eyes it roll. Can I let them go through? Back clear! Smith! Back clear! Everybody off the track. Stand away. Don't leave any hammers laying around. All right, she's riding through. Get going, mister. Wait for you up front. Thank you, monsieur. How about you, Collins? Well, I don't mind if I do. Well, boys, we made it. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. She's passed through. Here we are, sitting on the sand, and everything is quiet. And the moon shines as though nothing had happened. And in a record book somewhere, a notation goes down. Track bombed out. Track clear. And that's the end of it. Oh, what a war. You know, Roll, that singing is beginning to sound kind of nice. I think I'm getting used to it. <laughs> that is because you know this song, monsieur. What do you mean, I know the song? Oh, oui, monsieur. I teach them that one with Sergeant Collins. <laughs> you know about the monsieur Casey Jones, who have another paper on the Salt Lake line, eh? Listen. Well, how do you like that? Casey Jones. <laughs> yeah, this is some war. A fighting Frenchman, Americans. 
and an immortal Arabian section gang singing Casey Jones in the middle of the African desert. Our rule, I tell you, if we lose this war, there'll be an awful lot of brotherhood gone to waste. DuPont invites you to be its guest again next week when we bring you The Vengeance of Torpedo 8, the story of adventure and daring starring Randolph Scott as Lieutenant Harold Larson, U.S. Navy, on the Cavalcade of America. In tonight's play, Wally Mayer played Sergeant Collins. The musical score was composed and conducted by Robert Armbruster. Pat O'Brien appeared through the courtesy of RKO Pictures, where he is currently starring in The Iron Major. This is James Bannon sending best wishes from Cavalcade sponsor... The DuPont Company of Wilmington, Delaware. The Cavalcade of America came to you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. All right, that is the Cavalcade of America, September 13th, 1943. Iron Camel, sponsored by DuPont, and uh, the host there, Pat O'Brien, in that broadcast with a uh, Veterans Day theme. When we come back here tonight at 11 p.m., we're going to celebrate our veterans from World War One, going way back. Uh, Lux Radio Theater broadcast of Test Pilot. It has World War I veterans uh, testing new airplanes. Good broadcast, hour-long broadcast for you. That is tonight on the WGN Radio Theater when we come back here at 11 p.m. But first, these words. All right. Uh, People, let me tell you about my best friend. He's a warm-hearted person who loves me till the end. We were talking about how... Yes, uh, say, what did I miss? Well, Carl and I were saying how we're best friends. And so it, oh. we cut back to uh, Courtship of Eddie's father. And um, there it is. And we've got the best producer, Ashley... I'm surprised she knows that know. song, but she's an she old doesn't. Soul. But we do. Okay. She was like right. best she's good, American. And she's a good listener. <laughs> What's it called? Best That's American. Awesome. She was like. She definitely wasn't around we, in the we, 60s. We pinpointed when we first met. It was. It was the uh, beginning of 2009. End of 2008. No, beginning, beginning of 2000. I'm probably right. You're always wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably right. It was definitely the end wrong. Of 2008. It was the beginning of 2009, right before our other nationally I mean, syndicated radio show. We're talking about like a week difference, right? The end of no. 2008, the beginning of 2009. That could actually be one second yeah, but difference, right? Technically, um, Dave? Sure. Dave? <laughs> Technically? <laughs> Technically. All right. So, I'm right. You're wrong. You're <laughs> <laughs> just looking for who's winning. But you know what? She is my best friend, oh. and she makes this show so much fun to do every week. Thank you, Lisa. We do have fun, Carl. And of course, if it wasn't for our listeners... 
why we wouldn't even, have a why show. be here? That's, That's true. right. And that is true. Yes. Dave Plyer is here. What's hey, up, Dave? Dave? What's How happening? Yeah. What's going much, on, not man? Too much. What do we got? We got 10 seconds? What do we got? No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, 10 seconds. Oh, wow. I forgot. We can't. Oh, yeah, here's well. what we got going on. We got Ryan Seacrest. We got uh, Jimmy Fallon. We've got uh, uh, U.S. Secretary of Veterans Affairs, Robert Wilkie. And what else? What else? What else? Help me. Help me. I'm sorry. Oh, your time is up. My 2017 interview with Gary Meyer. 